Yeah, no, okay. I really awesome. liked the essay that you oh, just God. wrote. Like, I thought it was amazing. And I've been thinking about, like, fabric and spectacle. And it's actually, I don't know if you want to, like, get into it right away. Because, you know, you have a lot of sort of, like, bullet points. And we have, like, a lot of stuff we can run through. Um, yeah, we can, yeah. But, yeah, so I don't know if you want to introduce yourself. I don't usually do introductions. I just kind of like fade it in with the oh, music, but uh, whatever you want to do. Let's, I don't know. Let's just get into it. I'm, right. I'm Olivia. <laughs> That's enough context, I guess. <laughs> I, can, I can think later what's a proper context right. or something. Um, but yeah, no, however, you have to take the lead here. This is your, um, <laughs> I'm nervous. I feel like actually I was thinking like, I haven't like preparing for this kind of felt like cramming for like a test or something. Like there's this, I like that there's this like circumscribed time period and you just like go into it. And then it's just like, you have all the content you have. And then it's almost like, it's the on only sort of live performance or like athletic, it's like a marathon or something. Like you're just like working through the ideas and in real time people just have to like deal with your sort of like, at some point you just get tired and you have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> My brain just completely goes dead for long stretches after I record. So sorry to No, it's good. We have to get stronger, man. Like push, pushing your minds to the limit through this like endurance beat of like live ideation. I mean, that's basically what it is. It's like most of this stuff is just stuff like I'm sort of like working out on the spot. It's really interesting. We were emailing back and forth and I read her book, Island Time, and I found it to be stylistically very very interesting i was interested in a lot of the reference points i really liked it i'm also obsessed with the concept of island time and exotica and what is an island how to sort of manufacture an island and you know she asked me a question and was like do you know any philosophers of trends and i said no i have i don't I don't know, like something happened where I was like, we should do an episode on, is there such thing as the philosophy of a trend? In her new essay, I don't want to get, I want you to describe it. I said, no, um, I'll just give an example. Like, so Deleuze, he kind of presents philosophy as grappling with a sort of like problem. Uh, and it's the problem that motivates the thought. So the problem comes first and then there's a sort of like time lag and then the f philosophy or the theory sort of comes after so if you have like a trend in like fashion or style and we also have to ask like what is a trend like post historically you know i think balenciaga and what they're doing now and all the sort of like discourse around uh, the satanic panic outrage uh i don't know what whatever iteration we're in of that is also another interesting way to look at it. But I also think of like, you know, you talk about the tearing of a fabric and I think about like the rupture of a problem 
you know, so the problem induces a kind of like act of violence and it destabilizes and, you know, and thought itself sort of becomes violence. I think of like uh, even Hegel and his concept of the state, you know, as the only sort of safe haven from savagery. And so it sort of like troubles all the conventions. Now, so philosophy is like it's an opposite of something. It always sort of it it it's it engages with something that's problematizable or whatever you want to call it. So, but at the same time, there's like a sort of like lag there between. So, like when a trend really inscribes itself uh, with whatever you want to call this system. Like, let's say you have a shortwave trend, and then it becomes quote unquote chuggy or some shit. Um, that becomes a sort of problem. And then you sort of theorize that problem, unless maybe some people are privy to the problem before others. So yeah, that's kind of my whole thing. I was like, is philosophy possible under the auspices of like looking through trends and fashion? So that was my introduction. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a good, okay. There's a lot there. I think the I want to circle back to your sort of like interest, like what is an island? And like, that's a whole different thing. But first with the philosophy of trends, I mean, right. As you said, as we, I think I said in our emails, like um, whatever, like philosophy, properly speaking, like is in some way obviously interested in universals um, and like some kind of like timeless abstractions. And the one I think you brought up Marx in our email, like, oh, he's obviously like a philosopher of the trend, like not only um, in terms of kind of like the movement of history, like Hegel, um, but also in this kind of sense of like understanding um, or or at least like leading to an entire school of thought that like is concerned with seeing like the like commodity cycles, um, like that kind of like trend based consumerism, um, whatever under like chewiness would fall into that category um, as kind of like a bad thing or um, you know there's a lot of different words you could use to describe it but um, at the very least like as a part of capitalism that we should sort of um, aspire to get rid of um, or like some kind of poison I guess I'm kind of interested in the opposite position which is thinking about how like like the desire for novelty and change, like, yeah, obviously that's a part of capitalism, but it's also a part of just like human nature. And like, yes, it's exhausting, like these shortwave cultural developments that you talk about, um, this like cycle of aesthetics um, and consumer trends is in some way superficial um, and, you know, quote unquote bad, but it's also, I think a really human desire that has to do with almost like seasonal change, like even when you talk about like seasons and fashion, like there's like the fall winter season and like the spring summer season. Um, and yeah, obviously those exist in order to sell clothes, but like within the very name, um, there's this tie to like this very organic structure of like how people's lives work. Um, right. And um, I guess there's, there's lots of like cultural critics who analyze like historically specific trends, but I don't really know that many uh, like 
like a, philo- a philosopher didn't really come to mind who seemed really like pro like stuff who would be like oh yeah shit like this um I mean we were talking about Nymphed alumni for example who would be like oh yeah all of these different like aesthetic codes like that's really awesome and something that should be glorified and like um is like a positive part of human nature I guess right and in your essay I mean one example that comes to mind is like Zizek in Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> and, and so I don't know if you want to go into that a little bit because you know it's like one of those things where it's it's also specifically I feel like continental philosophy. So you have like a kind of like part of it to me is it's kind of like an ego trip, like a lot of these dudes are just, they're kind of like straight guys. That's why I always say like, I feel like continental philosophy is specifically like very sort of like straight male attuned in a weird way, because you're basically trying to eradicate the problem through a sort of like long wave trend. Uh, you know, a lot of talk about the end of history, about sort of like an absolute, absolute universals, absolute idealism. And and I think it's just sort of to gain like progenity or, you know, exert your like big dick power so you can be like, yeah, I solved this problem and I solved it forever. And it, it becomes kind of like your kids or something like that, you know? I think that's what a lot of like the semantics uh, involving it, which is why I kind of am just sort of like silly pilled right now. I just like am really into stupid shit and acting like an idiot. And it's like really fun. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that, that was sort of like my theory on why maybe it's so hard to like conjure um, specific examples of this. I mean, Okay, so in the essay, which I guess maybe we can link or something once it comes out, um, um, it's sort of, I guess, I guess there's, okay, trend is one concept as something that is related to fashion, let's say that rotates, but there's, uh, I, I guess like the term that for me feels more productive is like style, um, because it, it's something that you encounter like in every sort of like, medium or, or discipline like in art let's say like you can talk about literary style or cinematic style um in addition to like clothing style but then there's also like this kind of so so in that sense like it's interesting to me that okay if there's something called style that exists in cinema and style that exists in literature like what is that quality and like i i can't like you know whatever i'm not like super well read but like I, I don't really know of someone who like has made style even like the point of their philosophy either or their, the, the like um, ha- has like identified that as like an overarching concept in a way that also relates to the way that we kind of, I think the idea of like self-stylization um, mm. is also interesting. Like how you, um, I mean, you've been talking, I mean, a lot, this has been, very much in the discourse recently, right? Like um, the self as performance or like life and art, blah, blah, blah. Um, And obviously there's this like sort of somewhat like negative valence of like, oh, I I sort of like came up with like this like cool script and now I'm like acting out this like sick performance for other people. 
Um, but I think there's like another sense of stylization or maybe not performativity, but um, like the, the like main character syndrome in the sense of like acting upon yourself, like having a stylized relationship to yourself um, in that you're, and, and that being like a very positive thing, like the ancient Greeks, like, yes, you need to like better yourself, um, like practices of the self, like care of the self, um, like, you know, like whatever bodybuilding culture, this like BAP stuff is actually kind yeah. of a good example. You right. know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, it is important to stylize yourself and to be strong and to like beautiful because that's just good for you or like to like do exercises of the mind or like in Christian traditions, like what following this like weird like structure of like time in which you pray at certain hours and like eat certain things like that's all about stylization in a sense and in a way i think like a lot of our like modern tendencies that are seems like uh like stupid sh shitty like instagram culture like they're not totally they're not like not that you know what i mean right yeah, yeah. um so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like an interesting problem, I guess. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. like all, it's like this, all these things at once, like, um, about like externality and internality, um, are all sort of like captured by this concept of style. Right. Um, and then in terms of Zizek, like, um, I guess like in this specific essay, it's more about like actual, like clothing and I guess clothing and language and style. And I think, like with this like Lacanian philosophy stuff, maybe like an entry point to style for me is this idea of like desire, right? And like desire, like the fact that, for example, like in sex, like like clothing as fetish object, like, oh, you don't desire really like a naked person, you desire like the little, like the stocking. Um, that's also this weird, like very human routing of like, um, like a supposedly natural human organic need, which is like, or uh, care, whatever, like a human essence, which is like se sexuality through this like consumer item and having a kind of stylized re relationship both to someone else and to yourself, right. if that makes sense. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's, I mean eros that's like erotic love you know there was always like a sort of concealment that had um i mean like that's actually a really interesting point i don't know if i want to go there first or because actually there are th a few people i think of who i mean deleuze is a really good example because he actually said that the regulator of all concepts is taste and i think you can substitute taste for style and I feel like he gets a bit of that from Simondon and uh, and actually uh, the anthropologist Jakob von Uxkill. Um, but sure. but you actually brought up a really really good point about how um, Eros. Oh shit! Sorry, my microphone has been like. Oh my god! Uh, I actually have to tape this back up. I'm so oh, sorry. No I like I'm, <laughs> I've like this like fucked up because I'm not at my house. I don't have a microphone stand, so I like Jimmy rig this thing. I'm so sorry. Like, let me. Oh god, no wait. worries. What? One second. Yeah. Sorry. 
No, this is cool. I kind of like actually this. Um, this is good, like uh, materiality experience, friction, frictional podcasting experience. I should leave this all in. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. Like, I definitely should. Like this. What's is, your? Is this duct tape or what's? Yeah, you have it's, to narrate I, like, what's happening. I'm like duct taping this microphone to a drill press to my dad's drill press right now. Um, oh, so, cause I don't have a microphone stand and I'm like, well, how am I going to do this? Like kind of thing. So yeah. So I've duct taped it and, um, yeah, this is like the interesting stuff. Like I edit out like stuff that sounds like normal and I'll just like leave shit like this in. Cause I think it's because, yeah, because it's like a rupture, you know? It's like, yeah. I feel like <laughs> <Yeah>. podcasting <laughs> as a medium is so fucking flat and boring. And, you know, it's like, I feel like once you realize you can kind of do anything you want, it's like makes it a little bit more bearable, at yeah. least when, when you're when you're doing it. Um, but, yeah, actually... <sighs> But yeah, that's actually a really, really good point. So, and you reference Mew Mew as a contemporary brand that sort of has like the sex built into it. Um, I don't know if that's the right way to sort of like phrase it. I forgot exactly what you wrote. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is part of like a bigger obsession I have, which is like, I didn't really get into this essay because I'm oh like, sensual and intellectual. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the okay, so basically, I like somehow stumbled like upon the Prada, like Prada's website has just these like pages and pages of like theory laden ad copy. So Miu Miu is like a sub brand of Prada um, that I just became obsessed with, and like. Um, I kind of like didn't put it into this essay because it was just like too much and I want to like actually study it. But um, right, they say, okay, Miu Miu is like a quote, sensual and intellectual brand um, that is achieved by transforming fashion into a mental state. And like all of their copy is kind of like that. It's like, wait, shit, let me, I'm going to also make some wrestling as I look at my papers but like yeah all their, their their copy is always like oh yeah Prada is about like interpretation and like critique and meaning and like definitions and like deconstructing definitions it's literally like they like inhaled D Derrida and like regurgitated it in this like strange like art international art English speak but applied to fashion and like I'm fascinated by how they're like in their language like they're using all of these like like um sort of like philosophy buzzwords like you know ideal real material immaterial but like no obviously like no contextual like conceptual specificity right like right. it's just this kind of like collage of words um and rather than seeing that as like like yeah it's not philosophy but it is like i find it so enchanting that they like they being Prada, I guess, have like, they're like so in love with these like words and concepts. Like I'm, I'm sure the pre person that wrote it actually probably does like has studied philosophy or, or like does have a different relationship to these words. But it's like, as a reader, your experience of the language is almost as like 
the language is as style, like as pure style, or these concepts are appearing as pure like fashion objects where it's just like oh we just like kind of like the texture and like the flow and like how it looks and feels and that's just how we want to like um sort of embroider um like linguistically embroider the Miu Miu collection with these abstract nouns like it, it's just such a like I don't know I just think it it shows like almost in your last episode, right, you were talking about um, uh, like the thingliness of language and how in poetry, like it's about language, like this, like in excess of its meaning, right? Right. Um, and I think it's just such a good example of it because it's like, like language that's supposed to be the most rigorous, analytical, like non-stylish, like just universal thing. That you that they're appropriating um like essentially as a fashion object um and then also like i do think that there's an interesting relationship to like sexuality there or just like sexiness like if you think about um like in a sort of like dumbed down version of like psychoanalytic theory it'd be like oh well like you right you don't desire the thing itself there's like always a gap or like once you get the thing you desire then it's replaced by something else and it's this like constant chain of substitutions like um it's like oh it's like the, the language of philosophy but it's not like the concepts of philosophy so it's like this weird like like striptease of like thinking or something that's showing all of the like um clothing of thinking, but not the actual concepts. Like, I don't know. There's something, yeah. That's actually a really good point. Uh, And it sort of goes back to like, I guess you would say it's almost subjective to just evaluate on who would find that to be a problem. Because, you Mm -hmm. know, for a lot of people, like logos is a problem that people have to sort of like grapple with. You know, I was like talking with an artist friend of mine who, cause I'm in LA right now and he just moved here from London. Um, and he was, you know, comes from like a Mormon background and he was like, uh, sort of, you know, in like the offsite art boom that happened like prior to COVID there was like a lot of like symbol, like symbols and mysticism. And he was just sort of like, yeah, but you always have to deal with this problem of logos and it will never go away. And this is what Michelle uh, Sarah says when he talks about like the sort of like parasitic nature of all language, you know, and it, it really just, it, you know, cause so many like people in like philosophy look at Prada and they would be like, Oh no, I have to pivot now. I have to do something different. I can't engage with this. It's been sort of co-opted and I guess they feel like maybe there's like a cheapening if they sort of like roll into that. But another thing I think about too is like Deleuze, he talked about the prodigious idea of non-organic life. And when you talk about sort of like Mew Mew and like the intellectualization of things along with the sensual and also the thingness of the thing, it sort of comes into mind this idea that like things are are alive in so far that they have this, like they play a sort of, even though they're inorganic, they play an, an organic role in the function of Eros and the function of love and the function of desire, which then 
I guess, makes them alive, you know, in a certain yeah. way. Totally. I think that's, yeah, it's interesting because like I used to be really into this kind of like new materialist feminist, like live, like vibrant matter, like, oh, like everything is so I, I, like whatever. It's cool. But like this kind of feminist, like um, like Kristova or something or no, like it's this like weird corner of like um, like like a lot of like feminist science studies where it's all about like, oh yes, like, it, but it always like stops at this point that they can't like kind of get beyond where it's like, oh yeah. So like the rocks, like they're so like lively and vibrant and like to be good, like non-Western subjects, like good feminist, queer, like affinity building subjects. We have to like recognize how like all of the world around us is like, it's been a while since I've read these texts, but like they have a really specific use of language. A lot of it like comes from Deleuze also, I think. Like, uh, like I don't know, like Lacanian, like thinking about it um, in relation to humans, <laughs> like you can't get to like the outside, like you cannot actually step outside of like being a human subject in this way that a lot of these like uh, queer ecologist feminists want you to be able to like, no, you actually can't like really know what like the mold or the fungus or whatever, or like the beautiful fern, like what it is to be alive in that way. Um, and it almost feels like they want to like, like erase otherness or something, or even like write philosophy from this place. That's like completely not useful. Cause it's like, Oh, like, mold and shit doesn't have language so it's like always it's all like you you can't escape this position right um but i guess the the idea of like thinking about things like like um like whatever a stocking taking on liveliness only through the, the human imagination like is way more interesting to me not that the stocking in itself doesn't exist but it's just like we have no point of access to it so it's just like kind of pointless to write books about it i guess um, that was kind of a detour that maybe didn't get at what was interesting and what you just said. No, that's great. I, I, it, it sort of brings to mind, like, even though language is like parasitic, it's what imparts subjectivity onto what is referred to as like the human or whatever. So it's like language is, it's exactly what you said. Um, yeah, it's just like, how do we have access to that inorganic, non-organic other if it doesn't speak back to us. So every, so inevitably all of our thoughts about it, we're the ones who are projecting our own sort of like beingness or design or like whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like we're the ones projecting that onto like moss or whatever, which is kind of interesting because if you think about like commodity culture, you start to think like, well, we're the ones who produce the commodities like nature. I feel like, you know, you can look at like everything from fucking like Calvinist theology to sort of native indigenous cosmology. Like there is a sort of notion that like everything that's produced by man is a kind of like degraded version of the thing that has life that comes from like the direct source of God or whatever, you know, like the, the idea of like human provenance is like inherently sort of like it, it can serve those f like functions 
uh, to sort of like appease whatever sort of, you know, system of belief, whether it's like, uh, um, you can do, but you always sort of like run into this thing of like, oh, it's not as good as like what is deemed as like natural, but we're sort of like, you know, we're kind of like at the end of history and the distinctions between like what's organic, what's inorganic, like what is nature? Like, I think they really are sort of blurring. And I do think that like the sort of like right wing philosophy, like BAP or whatever, um, it doesn't, it doesn't address temporality. It's more fixated on, you know, notions of forms of the past, but it doesn't really engage with things, you know, because most of these guys are like on the computer all day, you know, you know what I mean? So it's like, it, it becomes like hard for me to sort of like take seriously or something. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, I think it's like, it's always like, I'm not really against like the kind of impulse of looking back to some kind of oh, like, I'm not at all. Of the Bronze yeah, yeah. Age, like it's cool. Like yeah, like we should always look towards like other histories and or or even like other cultures, whatever, to like see what else is going on and how else you can live and like how else you can like other shit you can eat or whatever. But yeah, it's completely ahistorical and like like and I and I don't think that it's like especially now more than ever. Um, we are more technological. Actually, maybe that is kind of true. Maybe it is also a matter of degree. But like, even from the birth of, like, like Stiegler writes a lot about this. Like, um, who I always found really difficult. So I'm kind of an amateur on this. But like, yeah, like humans. Like, what does it mean to be human? It's like to be in a relationship with what is inorganic and with what is non-human. And like, language is a technology. Writing is a technology. Right. Like. All, whatever random like flint like all that shit is like not that different from um whatever computers that we use now so which doesn't mean that you can't like uh criticize computers and you can certainly criticize capitalism but like a lot of this like that's why kind of like like uh a, a lot of this kind of byung-chul han allergy to um the digital it's not just him like there's so many philosophers um like this it's just like kind of corny to me like it's like it, it's not wrong but it's like like these people aren't really trying to first of all they're not trying to understand truly understand digital technology so they have this like very flattened like understanding of it of computers which are also just as fundamentally material as like any other technology um but it's also like well the shit is here to stay so like being super into like I also like that the jukebox or whatever like that's cool it's like an amazing example and we should make computers be more like that but I don't know there's something corny about this constant like looking back to um like whatever like 100 years ago um, and in terms of like technological artifacts. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of see what you mean there. He does actually sort of make a distinction, uh, between like, you know, techno pessimism where it's just sort of like, Oh, if it's not like a stone and a fucking fork and it's a, not a tool, it's worthless. Like he actually does think technology is important, but he 
makes the distinction between levels of intelligence. So like uh, intelligence inter leger, it means choosing between. So basically all it means for artificial intelligence and computation is to make a choice that is given in advance, which is precisely why computers can't do philosophy, right? It can't really do yeah. theory um, because it has to choose in advance as where philosophy, like I was saying sort of like earlier, it has a sort of like lag. Now, the thing is that lag may be ineffectual because the rupture has already happened. So is there some like maybe some like super fictional AI like uh, sort of like or predictive processing thing that can like predict a problem? Well, it would have to take that from like the world that already exists. I think this is a big problem with like resonant Aristani and people like that, like the neo-rationalist guys, which to me is like the ultimate corniest shit um, just because they think that we can do that and like kind of just a retard to me, like whatever, yeah. like, yeah. like, like the rest of us, you know, it's not like I have like, you know, I just don't think we'll ever sort of see that anyway. But I do think like the distinction of being able to make a decision without it being sort of like the remnants of information and data, I think poetry, and when you actually um, get into Lacan and you, in, in your essay and you talk about like Zupacic and the way she talks about like choosing the right word, you know, like, you know that like right word that as you were sort of a, alluding to earlier in like the language of just like the real or the immaterial being like, you know, like how it just sort of makes sense and you don't really know why that is mm -hmm. like, I just sort of feel like that, that like, that's kind of like the poetics or like the art that doesn't have any sort of like, uh, informational value. I think that's kind of actually what he's getting at more rather than like, just being like, oh, all technology is bad. Like the internet is just bad. You know, because yeah. I don't think it is all just bad. I think the, what people describe as the Internet as being bad is actually a very tiny corner of it. Um, and there's a lot of things that are actually really interesting. And you can use the Internet as a library, you know, and it's yeah. great for that. So, yeah, I totally. OK, I actually have a lot of thoughts on this. This is basically kind of what I studied in college was like this idea of like computer programming and like critique or philosophy and like the points of overlap or not and I think okay like what is definitely true is that like we are becoming more and more like everyday people are becoming more and more alienated let's say from their technologies like I mean you talk about right to repair like you can't even you, you forget repair your computer like you cannot understand how it works like no one like increasingly we are coming to a point where uh with like machines or with like large-scale software systems there's like not a single person even um who can like have oversight of the entire system at the same time um but like i'm kind of almost like one of these like uh 
like I've been to like the like you know girls who code or, yeah girls who code no that's not yeah. whatever that like big like kids should learn programming like I really do think that like that's the only solution because like it is here to stay and yeah we have to remedy that so that we we can like intervene like because yes I do what you were saying about like the the deterministic nature of um programs like yeah that that isn't thinking and like I don't know enough about deep learning or like really to like address that side of I guess like computer science super well but I do think that like the act like as a human being a programmer like and having to write in this language that is basically like the language of the other, like it is the language of the machine. Like that I think is one of the most interesting things that you can do to your own mind. And like the most, um, and I think it can also, it's it's literally a, addictive, I think, like the way that coding works. And it's this like feedback loop that you enter that's very like Cronenberg-like plugging yourself into a machine in a way that's like can be scary but it's also really like transcending the self you know and having to like like you know um like like coming back to this idea of a, a technique of the self like like folding the outside into yourself or folding the language of the other into yourself like because like precisely because um the computer as a technology no, it, it's never really thinking, like it's never like a human, but be, because it's so sophisticated and its language is so, um, yeah, like complex, like it forces your human mind to think in like really novel and exciting ways that I think are actually really similar to philosophy. Like, like a lot of my favorite philosophers, um, uh, like Deleuze for sure, like also Lacan, they're like inventors of like sort of topologies or shapes and forms. Like their strongest metaphors are really like um, figurative language. Like I also read, read about that in the Fabric of Reality essay, right? But like, yeah, we need to think like, we we need to think through figures essentially that are, and, and that's an interesting like metaphoric metaphors are already like an interesting relationship to like materiality but in computer programming like it works the same way like only you like 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 basically every programmer um has i think a really sophisticated understanding um of how to fit like things that you want to happen or let's say like ideas quote unquote that you would want to express in coding into different like data structures or like making like giving them different forms and figures and knowing that they're essentially like metaphorical structures or like um like language structures right, right. um i don't know there's something and it sucks like that yeah like few people um at least right now, yeah, or are allowed to like have access to that, I guess. You right. Know? I actually really agree with you. And, you know, it actually, to me, it's a, it's, have you heard of like technometry? No. It's a system that was founded by a Calvinist minister called William Ames, who died in the early 1600s. 
but he sought to create a kind of, uh, he basically defines it as a eupraxia of motion and thought that culminates in a sort of singular system. Like the concept of a system actually is, you know, before Leibniz basically founded all uh, algorithmic computation, you could say Roger Bacon helped do that too a little bit, which came from like alchemy and shit. But it's actually like really fucking crazy because he def- like most of the the initial thinking about what constitutes a system actually came from like early Protestant like you know like 1500s 60s like Protestant theology like theologians and ministers and Puritans so like the whole idea of a system that culminates in some like something that's one unique and simple basically the phenomenon in God uh. You know, like Leibniz talks a lot about this in his like monad, like monadology. I've been like really interested in like early systems and like how they function. Like, what is a system? And then you also have technomancy, which uh, it's a some like weird neologism that these like nerds put together uh, that meant relating to technology. Like, this is some like straight up like. 90s like dreadlock nerd <laughs> shit though you know what i mean like yeah. like what's that guy's name who's like always talking on fucking youtube with the sh- like stupid dreadlocks and he's like plays the violin you, you know what i, I mean no no jason i don't <laughs> no. i don't remember his name but it sounds amazing <laughs> but but it but when you talked about like being alienated from technology and like girls learning how to code, you know, there's that whole, uh, what's that picture of like Treblinka or something? It says learn to code. It's like drawn yeah. and like really childish. Um, yeah. That's a, I, I actually think that's a really good point. It's just the infrastructure and a lot of people, um, they look towards web three, but when we met, you were like, what about web one? Like, yeah. that's the perfect place to do it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a whole nother, I don't, I mean, like, for example, when you talk about like, um, yeah, making podcasting like a a thing, right? Um, like a, a beautiful object, like an aesthetic object. Like, I think that's exactly what's lost. Like, there's no, no one makes their own websites anymore. Like, and I think it is actually a really cool form, like, to, to be able to do that and to have like to have to think through yourself like oh how do I want to present information either about myself or like about anything um and then like make a um like not non like not just like a template whatever not just like Instagram or even within Instagram like thinking of about it as like your own actual project um yeah I don't know right That's not <laughs> you know, it's funny because, like, it, in your essay, you talk about Ed Ruscha. And I, like, one of the recent episodes I did, I talked a little bit about art and language journal and oh, this right. sort of like early, uh, what was called like the post conceptual artists, like people like Robert Barry, and why a lot of that stuff sort of like failed in 
certain ways and why, you know, like a good pop song is sort of like eternally good. And it's like more interesting to like examine why, you know, uh, sunlight bathed in golden glow. It just like hits every single time you listen to it. But yeah, I don't know. Um, that's a really good point. It's just, you know, I, I feel like neologisms are really, really fun. And to sort of like keep that moving, uh, I don't know, like, you know, like lately I've sort of been thinking, you know how like you're, you sort of like get into a flow state and you're just like coming up with tons of stupid, funny things, like, <laughs> yeah, like whatever kind of thing. It's like, I'm just sort of realizing like the more fun you're having doing stuff like that. I don't know, like joy is such an important aspect to like joy and pleasure and like any way that you can sort of find that, and you can definitely do that through language, you know? And yeah. it's, um, yeah, cause you just edited something for me. It was like totally stupid. But like, I was thinking like, what if non BBQ, like somebody like listened to this? <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's just like really, yeah. I don't even want to talk. Like it's too, too um, obtuse right now. But yeah, like the tinkerer sorcerer, thing that people sort of like, uh, when they talk about like being able to control their own technology, I think that, I think that's really important. And you, you were alluding to the fact that like right to repair, well, people don't even know to even understand how these things exist. And we're not sort of going backwards anytime ever. Um, yeah, I actually, okay. This is like, I really like what you just said and that you tied it to the BBQ sauce thing. Um, because like, yeah, I think about that. I mean, like I personally do not have a relationship to that um, substance like that you clearly have. That's like very special and like interesting, right? And it's like, and it's like, yeah, it's like, um, like this speculative semiotics as like an exercise to practice in your own life towards like objects that you encounter and like constructing like I'm actually kind of like that's kind of like my dream like if I had the time I would like sit down and make some sort of like elaborate like cosmology slash like symbology about like I have other sort of like almost like lore type um like motifs or like visual themes that I'm obsessed with um, and that I'm not only obsessed with that, like literally when I see them, like, I feel like I'm like, um, like, like that it is like an enchanted object or something, but I know that it's in a way, like it, it only has relevance to me. I guess that's what sets me apart from like an actual schizophrenic person or whatever. It's like, I know that it is me like in investing meaning in the object, but still it's like, yeah, like that, that's another interesting way to quote, like have control over your own technologies. In this case, like the technology of language or of meaning is to like do that. Like, and that's like a form of play that like is totally underrated and like requires amazingly like nothing, you know, um, which is essentially what writing is or like what art is. Um, but I think that also like relates to this idea of maybe not self as like performance, but definitely like stylization of your own experience where you're like, oh, like, um, I guess like in the case of like the BBQ sauce, it's it's slightly different because it's also this um, 
like um like it's related to like conceptual work rather than just like an, a narrative trope or something um but you're like stylizing your own life and like your own uh and in, in that sense it is kind of like main character syndrome right like it's creating a narrative or like this richly meaningful world around you um that's aesthetic i guess in a sense i would almost say it's main object syndrome <laughs> you know like yeah. I, I would almost say it's like i think that's part of my interest in stuff is just you know things i'm really just sort of like interested in things that have like no like they're just sort of empty of like particular uh niche like i don't know brandishing of you know what i mean like i'm like super interested in stuff like that like i was thinking about it today i was like for some reason, every time I find a cul-de-sac, I have to stop and investigate it. And I don't, I don't know why, you know, like there's, there's like no reason why I'm so drawn to streets that just end in like, uh, and, and that's basically it. And you have some like houses and a sidewalk and you picture like kids on their tricycles, like going through the curvy thing and yeah, but there's like, for some reason, like I find so much, I don't know, enjoyment in things that have no like major signification yeah. or something like that. Like, do you have other, just out of curiosity, like, okay, barbecue sauce, cul-de-sacs, do you have other, they don't have to Yeah, be pianos. Okay, pianos, uh, wow. And anything brown. <laughs> nice. Wow, that's a great heterogeneous list. Do you think that they have like a like a source, whatever, like, oh, like like something in your childhood or whatever, or like some movie? Or like can you not trace the origin? Or maybe maybe there isn't I can. Like, an, an external. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of it has to do with like things that evoke a feeling I got in my grandparents' basement when I was like rummaging wow. around their old stuff. So, like, they were collectors of, like, crazy, like, records and art and, like, sort of, like, in the quote-unquote, like, counterculture or whatever. So, I like, that was sort of, like, my first pathway to discovering everything that I'm sort of into. Uh, and, and I feel like it was, like, really brown and I remember the smell. And, um, and at the same time, it, like, it felt very safe. You know, like yeah. it, it was like the safest feeling I ever felt when I was like picking up like white light, white heat that had just like tons of scratches on it. And I was like looking through all of their like surrealist books that they had. And, you know, that's when I like got into all like a lot of the things that I'm into now. And it just evoked this like incredibly sort of like warm feeling. And I equate like brown with a kind of like warmth or something. And yeah. so I've always been obsessed with that color, not just like something that I wear, but something that I kind of like visualize or project in my mind. Uh, yeah. And I like, I'm not, I don't know anything about psychoanalysis. Like I read a Crete's by Lacan. Like I haven't really read 
much of that stuff at all. And like some friends have tried to like get me into that shit, but I'm just like, oh, whoa, like I don't get this at all. So maybe you can like help me figure out like what I'm, uh, do you have a similar? Yeah, no, definitely. I don't have, like, I really like that story about the basement. Cause it's such a beautiful, like what you're saying is almost that like these objects, like pianos are brown like that you encounter and you feel this attraction towards it's almost because like the experience they hearken back to is like the first experience of discovering objects or of like like i don't know it's a cool story i don't oh, know wow. i have that's a good point wow right like it's a beautiful image like rummaging in the basement and like these things coming to light and it's like oh shit what is this like um it's like toy story have... yeah yeah <laughs> but with like the cooler shit um I have I mean mine are more like it kind of changes but like I do think like sort of like sparkle like sparkle emoji like that sort of synesthetic experience like in many different both like literal sparkles of light and just that emoji or like sounds like I actually think like drain gang like the sort of like silvery like sparkly noise that is like in all of their music I associate I, I like I know that kind of everyone likes that like everyone likes small sparkly Christmas lights but I do think I have like an obsession with that or, or like sparkles on water is like another big thing or reflections like mirrors and reflections always that I have just like I mean I, I like compulsively take pictures of things and my camera roll is like it's almost all just like pictures of, of like um, sort of like sun flares or and like shit like that. Um, also like cute drinks. I was thinking this like, like cute desserts and sweets. Like that I think just must come from like girly, like media stuff. But like, I, like I've sort of for myself taken it to like such an extreme point that it's almost like just transcended like macaroons or whatever <laughs> like cupcakes like I no longer even associate it with like Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette movie it's just like oh my god this is like <laughs> this really really special thing that like you can encounter in stores like all over the world but like it'll always be equally like cute and exciting to me and then also I think the last one right now is like cats like which I know is like I think that cats are a good example because it's like okay I know that everything like we're projecting everything onto these animals right like all of these like personality traits um but like they function so well as vectors for like like I mean that's they're the most magic animal duh like that's why like witches like them like um like that's the internet likes them. Like you can construct this entire like narrative, like God universe, whatever. Yeah. Egyptians loved cats. I guess those are my main ones, but they don't come from like a sort of a psycho, like childhood experience thing in terms of Lacan. Like, honestly, yeah, I also like, I cannot like the actual lectures or seminars or whatever. It doesn't make sense to me. Like it, it just like, it feels kind of like random, like completely opaque 
words and formulas that like I'm like what like how the fuck did you come up with this but I I really recommend this like Alenka Zupanchik um her book that book what is sex and she also has one about like jokes that is really good and she's like helped me kind of she's a Lacanian philosopher and like right, that's kind yeah, of yeah. the only reason I'm 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 into that stuff at all um yeah, I, I yeah. Yeah, I've never read her. Um actually it's funny. Uh when you emailed me, you wrote something about like Prada's empty theory speak shows us pleasures of figurative language and so it proposes yeah. thinking in itself as a pleasure rather than a means to a product. And I yeah. think that's in like totally I'm so into that like thinking as a way of pleasure, you know. Yeah. No, totally. And I mean, that's also what this podcast is, right? Like, you can, like, if you want to know about philosophy, you can, like, read a philosophy book or whatever. But I think there's something really special about hearing people say shit that's, like, kind of dumb. Like, if you wrote all this out as a transcript, it would be, like, first of all, not make any sense and, like, have so much stupid shit in it. But, like, (laughs) the beauty of thinking, right, is, like, watching it unfold in real time and like there's so few opportunities one has like maybe never before this medium really um to kind of watch that take place and and it's almost like in this case like like in Prada's case it's like um like written language in this case it's almost this like sonic like vocal um texture of thinking which is really cool. Like, um, and I don't, I don't know what other, what other instances of that there are in other media, I guess. Well, it's not pre-media because it was written and transcribed and passed down, but like Socratic dialogue is like in Parmenides, which is one of my favorite, uh, or, um, like, you sort of think like even like the hearkening and the repetitiveness of just like, you know, the one is this, this, you know, what is the one? It's just like this constant back and forth. And it sounds like literally brain dead, even like transcribed, but what it's actually sort of getting to, like the essence of what it's trying to get to, I think is what makes, you know, the Socratic method, even though, you know, so interesting in so many ways. Yeah. No. Fuck, I should, I've never actually, like, I wish I could, yeah, do, like, a real, like, Western philosophy, like, beginning to end, like, crash course, maybe one day. But, yeah, like, the, I mean, right, it's, like, engaged, it's it's just incredible how, like, obviously both of us have like thought about these things before, but something about just like the act of, right. Like, like filtering something through the language of the other, like, like, and like encountering someone else's thoughts in that way is like always generative. And that can be right with a computer or with like a book or with another person. Yeah. It's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, in Plato, uh, like it, I mean, obviously the stakes are much lower because like Socrates, you know, execution, 
uh, was sort of like implicit in the dialogues. And, but you know, it's like being on trial for being a sophist and having to defend yourself in public. And I, you know, obviously this is like nothing near that, but I do think it is like sort of interesting to sort of like just have a conversation and strip the meaning. Like, it's not really about the meaning. Like, if anything, the world is has too much meaning. You know, the, there's like, I think one of the biggest problems you're seeing with like, like this sort of like major meltdown of all political factions is that like, everybody had this delusion that like, there was no meaning in the world and I'm the one who's to create this narrative that other people can follow because, you know, young men are misguided or, you know, we need a common cause or this and that. It's like, if anything, like we have too much, there's too much language that's like in part imposing itself on people instead of like speaking freely, which I think is much more interesting and important. And instead of trying to be like, super smart. Like I'm interested in philosophy because it's fucking stupid. I'm not actually interested in it because it's like appealing to some, uh, you know, higher rigorous thing. Like, no, I just see it as like creative, just like the way I see art or poetry or like whatever. But yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree that. I mean, I sometimes like, yeah, I, no, I, I definitely have a similar relationship to philosophy or theory that, but sometimes it actually like becomes depressing to me. Like if I get, like, like I don't read that much philosophy or theory at all anymore, like basically ever, um, like hopefully one day I will be able to whatever, have time. But like, yeah, you're constructing, sometimes it does feel like constructing this like little formal game that like, it's like, oh shit, this like literally has no stakes, but it is like, I think that it's, it's easier for these people, like when it, to delude themselves into thinking that like what they're saying does have really high stakes. And in a way it does have high stakes. Like in a way it has like the highest stakes of anything, but like, yeah, all this language, like reality, like blah, blah, blah. Like when in reality, in reality, you're like doing some, weird like exegesis of like some guys whatever for example of Lacan like interpreting this text as if it were actually like the bible but at least when people were interpreting the bible they like believed it that they were going to like go to heaven afterwards if they interpreted it right Mm. whereas now it's like your teaching post or something especially like people's relationship to Marx like it's like wow like all of these discourses that we've inherited bear, especially now that there's no like Soviet union, like no relationship to our actual reality, like about like communism, like it's, it's just a purely like Sudoku, like word puzzle game that you've constructed for yourself, which I think is cool, but like, I don't know. That's, that's a sort of, I don't like fully, that's like a devil's advocate position, I guess on theory but yeah i guess having it's good if you can keep a light hearted <laughs> like keep it silly i guess <laughs> yeah it's um it's it's really sort of weird it's like um 
I don't know. Like you think a lot about fashion and trends and I don't know. It's just like the whole thing with Balenciaga. I hate to bring this up. Oh yeah. Even, okay. Let's get into Balenciaga. But, you know, I figure <laughs> it's like, you might as well just like do it. Fuck. You know, <laughs> like no, even, definitely. I, I, even though I don't have a strong opinion about it, but it's just, to me, it's like the discourse surrounding it is like that was the intention. Like it is like sort of like post-historical, uh, very sort of like, I mean, even their last runway show was like, like nightmare oh, yeah. post-anthropocentric, <laughs> like earth tar. Um, I feel like, I even feel like the set design, like, you know, I feel like all of it was like very sort of like inspired by stalactites and like offsite art stuff that had been sort of like, yeah. be, because I do think we are kind of, but it's just so weird that people uh, like, it's just, how can you even ha like, I don't know. Like, I don't understand it. To me, what's more interesting is like, where does Demna fit? Like, you know, the head of the design, like where does he sort of like fit in to like post culture? Because I, I in my mind, it's almost like culture is kind of over in the same way I feel like art is over. Like everything is not art. That's what Alex Beanstalk says. He he came up with this manifesto a few years, like we the post artists. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm really interested in this idea of like post art and post culture. And <clears throat> if everything is not culture, then it's sort of just like symbolic. I mean, if everything is not art, then it's sort of like symbolically harkens back to like a stateless time when all objects were somehow like integrated culturally in a certain way. Like it's all just sort of culture. And I think like that's kind of almost what like post culture is maybe like, I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> okay. Let's well, okay. Back to wait, first let's hit Balenciaga, which is a great, like, wait. So when you said, Wait, what exactly happened with those? We're referencing the like pedophilia thing, right? I'm you see, or I'm the whole I, I'm more just interested in I'm actually just interested in the last like the last runway show. Yeah. Like that okay, awesome. that to me is like because I've screenshotted that a lot. Yeah, say, I'm yeah, pulling say. up the folder right now. <laughs> um yeah, I love that. I mean, I like I don't love all of their shows, but I love almost all of them. He also wrote this really funny, um, like, uh, I don't know what it's called, like, like little note that like whatever gets handed out to the fashion journalist at the beginning of the show that was like, I will no longer like verbalize my collections and explain my designs. Right. Um, I saw that. But yeah. This show is, but then he ended it with something funny that was like just explaining the <laughs> collection, which was, wait, I'm going to find it. Um, it was like, this is a metaphor for how we're all together or like something like really stupid. Um, I, let me, I'm just finding because I definitely, I wrote this like whole essay about Prada ad copy. So I have this. Okay. Yeah. What does he say? Oh yeah. The set of this show is a metaphor for digging for truth and being down to earth. <laughs> let us let everyone be anyone and make love, not war. <laughs> Dumb. <enough. laughs> yeah. So that's his understanding of what that set meant. Um, 
like, I guess, I don't know, my, like my, have you watched the, um, the couture shows, the ones that are set in that like beautiful white, like pure white space? Yeah, I have. Okay, those are what, like, I've always been into clothes, I guess, like. Well, there were like, there were multiple ad campaigns and one of them, he like featured uh, the Cremaster cycle by Matthew Barney as like a prop. Yeah. I mean, those shows, like specifically the Couture shows, and I think also the rest of the other Balenciaga shows sometimes too, but like, like I was watching them and I was like really stoned and I just was like, oh shit. Like somehow like the actual forms like on a formal level especially because like he was doing that thing right with the like black masks and like the the so it almost looked like just like mannequins or like shadows were like walking with these like um and like one of them starts with kind of like um suits and like kind of normal dresses but executed in this I don't know it looks like like rubber or something but they almost look like kind of like detextured like um like 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 3D models that haven't had like skins applied to them or something like these like pure platonically ideal forms of a dress or of a suit that then slowly like become like colored in by actual fabrics and I was kind of like oh like t talking about kind of like an animacy of objects it was like oh shit like somehow like the hoodie as a sort of like idealized like, like the platonic, platonic ideal of like a hoodie or of like a pair of jeans or of like a sort of 50s dress, kind of, it's almost like he was staging that in, in the show. That I thought was really cool. And so I guess I have, I sort of like, that's what I then see in, in all of the clothes in a way, in, even in these things that I guess are objectively, yeah, like post-fashion, just like shitty hoodies. Um, but I think, I don't know, wait, shit, I lost my, did you, wait, did you see the, the show that was the, like, the EU parliament show or whatever? I haven't, no, no. Okay, that one, I would, yeah, that's another interesting one to check out because he, and I guess he does that in the sort of, like, cave show, too. I guess he does that in a lot of shows, but it's, like, um, sort of stylizing like the uniform of like a sort of eu politician or bureaucrat or whatever oh yeah 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 you've of definitely course seen I've, that. yeah of course yeah. i've seen that like yeah. the blue carpet that shit is right amazing. carpets are another kind of like trigger object for me somehow rugs like Ooh. um but sorry i kind of lost the thread of why we were interested in the oh post-history well, it just seems to me that, like, even with the Kanye thing, I almost feel like I almost feel like Balenciaga is accelerating fashion as like something that's post celebrity, even though obviously yeah. they, you know, Bella Hadid is huge, whatever. But I think with like, like, do people not understand that the controversy that's generated is partially due to like i i don't know like i just feel like a big part of what kanye is doing is he's like accelerating like the persona to its absolute like 
most profaned place, um, almost to like the point of no return. Because I think people are like, and well, and I sort of see this with Balenciaga just because like their stuff really is like post-human in a way. Like it doesn't feel like it's suited for the human. It feels like it's objectifying itself. It's like objectifying the people who wear it. Um, it's incredibly like, quote unquote, um, I don't even know how you, how to say it because it's not, I wouldn't say it's post-ironic per se, even though it is. Like I'm trying to think of a better word yeah. for that. But there is something about it that kind of lends itself to, you know, coming up. With, and then I just feel like the responses to it, like it just doesn't, it misses the point. It misses the point like that, like even performing outrage, like we are so far beyond like the place to even like pretend to be outraged about anything anymore, you know? Are people being outraged because they're like, oh, this is just a hoodie or whatever. I know they're outraged because of like the kids stuff. Oh, like, right. The, the kids. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a whole nother, that's an incredible, I like could, I didn't follow it that closely. I only read the like statements on their Instagram from which I gleaned how like serious people were taking this. But yeah, I mean, objectifying the people. Yeah, it's true that like he really creates, they're like pushing people into this like avatar state of themselves, which like is an impulse I really like, I think. Um, he, trust me. Like, they're going to tap you to walk Balenciaga. You'd be a perfect, like, looking at these photos right now, perfect. Um, You can be in this kind of cave environment really well, um, whether really? or not you want to. Yeah, they're going to put you, they're going to make you put on one of these, strap one of these, like, babies to your chest. Yeah, it'd be awesome. It'd be perfect. Okay, I guess an interesting question is, would you ever either by real Balenciaga, by fake Balenciaga, do you like, like the, maybe this is like a completely different set of questions than what you just said, but I feel like it can like loop us back to it in an interesting way. Like, or would you like style yourself like that? Like, do you like it? I guess. No, <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm into like, I, I like like corny Japanese men's, appropriations of like American what like I like like capital like capital yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I was wearing capital jeans today they're so awesome yeah <laughs> okay that's I, not I that like far. I like hysteric glamour yeah <laughs> I like that because at the end of the day I'm just like a, a retro rocker person um I was thinking about how like dazed and confused specifically like the moment that uh, what's his name? Matthew McConaughey pulls up in that like, I forget what it was, if it's like a Mustang or whatever. It's like some sort of sports car from the 70s. And he's just like in slow ride by fog hat comes on and he says something like creepy. I want to <laughs> rock forever now. Like, this is all I want. Like, I don't want to be him per se. Like, it wasn't that I want to <laughs> creep on like. It wasn't that. It was just like that entire, I don't know, like it's just such a masterpiece to me or even seeing like David Bowie, like live concerts from the 70s or like Thin Lizzy. It's just like, oh, this is what I want to do. And 
actually one of the bands I played in had a collection with Hysteric Glamour, and I have like this really rare jacket that they made for us. Um, oh my god, was, that's awesome! Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, I love Hysteric Glamour too. Honestly, this actually ties back to like the beginning of our discussion in an interesting way because I feel like whatever it's so. I don't know if ironic again. Yeah, ironic isn't the right word, but like even like it's, it's all kitschy. very referential. It's kitschy and it's like I. It's about iconography, right? It's about right. using iconography in an interesting way, and often also words and like like. That's interesting just, though, because yeah. what's the difference between irony and kitsch? Because right. I because kitsch seems like sincere. Yeah. Like, well, I, I don't know. Like, what is kitsch? Because I like it. Like, whatever. I guess I would say kitsch is like maybe a subset, but because I think like, like pure irony would, which I don't really think it, anyone does. Kitsch is naive. But, you know, like kitsch is something that's more yeah. like naive. And I feel like irony is like a bit more like knowing or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And hysteric glamour is beautifully both. And I think that like, I don't know, I, I feel a similar way about clothing fundamentally where it's like, it's way more of a kind of narrative or discursive, like like that's why I like hysteric glamour and shit that has like funny words on it. Like I, like, I always will like, graphic t-shirts that have like a stupid like phrase that like Chinese robot accidentally came up with in English you know what I mean like that will always be funny to me and like I I've thought about this before it's like it's incompatible with like chicness in a way and I think that like that actually applies to um like my style in like writing as well like I'm obsessed with like alliteration and like really corny wordplay, like Derrida, like, you know how Derrida does all this like really corny puns. Oh yeah. But yeah. I guess that's not corny because it's Derrida, but like if anyone else did that, it'd be like, Jesus Christ. Like I can't get away from that. And like that manifests in like liking hysteric glamour, liking Derrida and like overusing the thesaurus when I write, it's just like a sort of like passion for like, um, playing with language or, or iconography or something but it, like I think true like classiness in, in fashion let's say would be like maybe capital is like this but yeah just like pure pure like um shapes you know I'm actually like I'm actually looking at like one of their sweaters that I saved from October and it, it's like in the social media post, it says, amazing we are, hashtag beautiful world. And it's a guy yeah. wearing a sweater and this back of the cabal says, we are an impossibility in an impossible universe. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's a fair glamour. Yeah, uh, no, that's capital. Oh, that's capital. It's Fox. so good. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, and it's like, there's something about that, like, what like words on clothing does is like the ultimate like thingification of the language in a way that like everyone gets immediately that the that the way that the words are on the sh shirt is not a way of make is not like meaning in a lexical sense it's like 
Well, how would you apply like, that to like praying or something? Oh. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Okay. Okay, right. Why do why do I not like praying? <laughs> I uh, want to I want to hear why you don't like it. Well, I guess it's just that the I mean in a very stupid sense like th there's no good reason, right? It's just that it's like those um like signifiers have, like that trend is just overdone but even before like okay even before praying was overdone like I remember seeing the like father son holy spirit like bra underwear thing like before even really out like trad calf shit was popping off and it was like what are you like okay right you're creating an ironic relationship to concepts and words um it, in this case like Christian like ideas but like why like it's not like we're like you know um like sort of it's not like we're in a context where like most people are Christian and so you're subverting that in an interesting way mm. it's like probably your parents were like boomer atheist libs so like what like it's just like empty. It's like so emptied of everything that it's like not even ironic or kitschy. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't get what the reaction is. It's like thinking that like, like saying like shit, like saying like swear words is like transgressive, you know? Right. It's, I don't, I just don't believe in transgression at all. Yeah. You know, like I, I just don't even, uh, it's so hard because I feel like in so many ways, I feel like the biggest problem with trends is that once you get grouped into something, it becomes like a total just like leech sucking out your life force. And then when you have to qualify that thing because you've, you know, you're trying to make a justification for why you know, this thing isn't like the other things that had also come after it and had created all of these problems and these new sort of like, because what you were saying earlier about like consumption and trends and it being like a part of like desire that goes deeper than quote unquote capitalism, because I don't even think capitalism exists anymore. Um, it, it clearly doesn't. Things are so deeply managed. But I do think that that has a deep, money and value and the tr the the question of transfiguration the fact that it is so abstract now has a really deep relationship to epistemology and meaning and our ability to sort of make meanings that last which is almost why i sort of locate um the transition to fiat which was only supposed to be temporary as kind of like the moment when art died in a certain sense, in like the early 1970s, I think 1970, 72, 73. Um, and so like, who do I think is doing, I think Sam Hyde is fucking hilarious. You know, like, um, I think really absurd, silly shit is awesome. Like, I, I don't know. And I really like how he's like way less like political or like right wing now. I think that's a good thing too. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm just like sort of thinking about it also. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, whatever, this is like a tired point, but it does sometimes like really hit me. It's like, 
as part of my research into uh, like fashion, when I started like writing about this stuff, I just listened to like probably like like so many hours of this really stupid Vogue podcast show, which is like like the corniest. It's like the corniest thing ever, but whatever. They're like talking about the '90s, and like they're like, yeah, like Calvin Klein like made this ad with like whatever, like showing a girl's tits, and it was like amazing. Like in that moment, I was like, wow. Imagine I like longed for that so deeply. Like think of that that like like sex would actually be that interesting or transgressive or like anything could really. Now it's like, yeah. oh yeah, some guy, like some guy on the internet was getting girls to carve his name into his body. Like, <laughs> yeah, like Balenciaga is a pedophile. Like, <laughs> right. like, you know, it's, it's kind of like, like, I don't know, a lot of the, the, the kind of like novels I like the best, like Pynchon, um, are kind of like that. It's like create, it's literally like about pedophilia or whatever, like, like having these like shocking, surreal, like Baroque little narratives and conspiracy theories and, yeah, I, I can't tell whether like that makes me like those books more or less or like or like yeah, Adam Curtis, like um like those kind of amazing documentaries that he has collaged from like footage taking place over like in different places over so many different decades. Like, yeah, that shit happens like in a week, like any single week, like in our as in like your and mine, I think sort of set of like characters and discourse, like the Ramelia shit, like that's like at least six Adam Curse movies, you know? I know. And it's so weird to have like traced all of it. And it, yeah. it's, so it's so weird because it's like all of this activity is happening, but it's like in these pockets of things where like nothing is happening at all. And on like a, a, I don't know, like, I feel like this is sort of, like, something that I think about, too, when we talk about, you know, what is subjectivity? Like, what does it mean to be, like, a main character or to be the art or whatever or have any of these sort of uh, conversations around that? I, like, I'm, like, very much less interested in those kinds of conversations mm -hmm. just as, like, the person, as the art. Like, this is... You know, that's not really and I think I, I'm always like more interested in like what is being produced conceptually and how is it extending beyond like, you know, because we've already sort of established that like you can't really control your own narrative, blah, blah, blah. I'm like more interested in like how it just synthesizes into everything else in these unexpected ways. Like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. You know, it's like weird. It's like, where does the pleasure come from? Like where, like, is there any sort of pleasure in that? I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm like, <laughs> wait, if there's pleasure in, in what? Oh, in just like in locating certain things that start from, smaller trends and they become a kind of like quote unquote problem because you can't control it. And then they just sort of like seep in to the ether afterwards. You know, like I think that's an interesting thing, but I also think a lot of that is like ge like geographic and 
like you were saying about actually fashion earlier, like there is a sort of functionality to the seasons, like some things keep you warmer, like da da da. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. Like I think about like hand-me-downs, like to go back to like the, the analogy of the basement where I'm finding all this cool, weird stuff and like, you know, shit on, uh, uh, you know, like the situationists and like books of like Fidel Castro and like crazy psychedelic records and just insane shit that like when you're a kid, you're finding that like, is there a possibility to like, like the stuff that's being produced now post-culturally is the detritus of this stuff going to be cool to people in a, it, in like an exploratory way in the same way that like I felt that. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I mean, I think, yes. Like I think um, we're even seeing it now and like, and, and maybe like, it's not like, it doesn't feel positive in a way, but like the myth making that's happening, like people are uh, like, sucked into I, like I I don't know I kind of it, I think it's impossible to say like which specific artifacts are going to like make it like be remembered and how I think any <laughs> like, yeah or you're saying like you wonder whether any of them will be yeah because there's almost like no cultural distinctions to be made so like how you know like how can you value sure. something retrospectively that has no sort of like specific closed circuit meaning to begin with. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like you could say the same thing about like the hippie movement and how it was like, you know, or abstract expressionism and like even like a lot of like the art objects that I had found had like ties to obviously the Rockefellers and whatever, you know, like – but it was like really interesting and personal to me only because I found it, I think, as an object. Like so like if you I think it's just how yeah. it's dis, like how it's administered or discovered. I think that's yeah. kind of like what. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting. Right. The physical um, like the physicality um, of it as like a tool for memory. And I mean, people like people talk about that a lot right but that like oh yeah now yeah websites like living your life in a sort of whatever video game that's then like I think John Raffman like I saw this like kind of whatever it was fine this like video he made about that where it's like oh what if you're this like virtual world that you spent a lot of time in um then is just all of a sudden gone and then you have like no memories of that time or like what do your memories look like if you literally can't access the physical space like that is true that that is like yeah that is changing like the way that we perceive um the the relationships to ourselves even that we're able to form in like a pretty profound way but I don't know what like do you have I guess we're like pretty different like we came of consciousness in pretty different times of like technological, like, like what are, do you have like weird early memories of like, like digital experiences that are like, so 
kind of like hazy that you can like never recover because they were so early. Does that make sense? Like I remember my first time using YouTube, I was like literally a child and I was so, I found the space like really confusing. And I also associated it somehow with the tube, like, like subway tunnels. Cause I thought the name, like I thought <laughs> there's something underground about it. And that like the way that you moved from video to video, which I guess is kind of true was like through tunnels. Like that's not a good example because like YouTube is still around. So I can now I have like a, a, a different relationship to it. But like, yeah. Do you have anything like that? Um, I don't know. I, you know, it's really hard for me to say because like on one hand, I, I'm pretty sure I do, but like I can't think of a, a, any off the top of my head. Like all I can think of now is almost like those moments when I was a little kid where I had like really funny dreams, but I couldn't conceive of them. Like, you know, when you're young, you know, people ask you what you want to be, right? You're like, I want to be a, you know, rock star or like, I want to, you know, do anything. Like I want to go into computer science. Like I want to be an engineer. You don't like understand all of like the nuances that entail like doing those actual things. Like I want to be in a state that's like that dumb, just like totally just enchanted by basic things that aren't even like yeah. mystical or, you know, seen as like special or something, you know? Yeah. Just brown. <laughs> that's a, that's a great, like, yeah, no. I mean, okay, wait, I had, I thought, oh yeah. In terms of geography. Okay. This is like completely new tangent, but like, like what is your, so what is your thing with islands? <laughs> you know, I don't know. It was like something I was picking up on, but I can't really like locate it to anything. Um, I read uh, Deleuze's Desert Islands and I got like really into oh, exotica cool. music for a minute and really into like tiki culture. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's funny because like Nymphid alumni did a whole like tiki core episode. It was like, yeah. it was funny. Yeah. Sam like shouted me out in it because we talk <laughs> a lot about it. Um, but I do feel like there was this kind of like early... You know, we're talking about like capital, like or some clothes like that. You know yeah. how they did that whole um they did their like Tibet line runway show at like Pearl Harbor and it made <laughs> like shit. everyone in China so fucking mad. But I, <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. So that, that. That's yeah, funny. that's like pretty pretty funny. Yeah, it's <laughs> it just seems to be like you know, like a point of departure from the main thing itself. Like I, I, I like to think about like marginality, you know, and I always am sort of thinking about that. Uh, and like, where are the margins? Like, where do they yeah. even exist? Like, that's why a lot of the people I try to interview now are like, not, not you so much. Cause you're like, actually like, you know, but, but just in general, I, I think yeah. about like, like, like an island is sort of like a margin. It's like a point of departure from everything that sort of came before it. Uh, and so I, 
I got like really obsessed with Micronesia and imagining that I was like living on these like tiny inhabitable islands. Uh, yeah. And it became like, so why did you get interested in islands? Because for me, it had to do with like recession, marginality, um, looking for an outside, uh, you know, kind of thing. And now I'm trying to be a little bit more optimistic, you know, like I, I love Leibniz, how he talks about how this is the greatest of all possible worlds. I like to believe that now, you know, God created this as the, as the best of all possible yeah. worlds. So maybe I don't even need an exit. Maybe I need to like go back to society. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it's all up in the air. I mean, I think I became into it for like really similar reasons. Like it, it's just kind of, I don't know why they're kind of the most amazing, like there's just such a strong metaphor that's also like an actual geographical place. Like the psychogeographical affordances are just like so amazing. And there's so like all of the associations are like cool and good, like tiki culture or like, yeah, whatever. Um, I don't know. I think like I became interested in it as, yeah, this like this um, way of you have this like miniaturized world, I guess. I've never really lived on an island or even like really been to islands, I guess. But like, like, I, I, like metaphorically, right? Like you have this like sort of small world that you can explore and therefore also like create this kind of like strong fantasy life there. And that's kind of like what vacations are. It's like, oh, like that's another part of it. It's like, oh, you have your normal life and then you have this like time apart where like completely different rules apply and like it's a completely different temporal structure. Um, and you, it's just like, and like the the space that your mind is also like the saying like, oh, I'm going on a trip and like acid trips and like writing being like, for me, similar to like a, a drug, I guess, but that like, it's like an altered state that you're in when you're on an island and that it it is itself also like, also like all these things about exotification that are like problematic, quote unquote problematic and like also literally are problematic. It's like, yeah, that's what makes it good is that you know that you're, the way that you're seeing th that space is, um all so sorry like the way that you're seeing like the nature like the flowers as like oh my god like so exotic like so special um so beautiful like that that's almost just purely your subjective experience because it is actually just like a normal reality for other people um and that I don't know that's just like I guess the space that all of my like I'm not even just writing just like my most like when I feel most alive it's always in these like weird liminal states or like liminal, like, like airports or like spaces where you're crossing or where you can only be there for like a short amount of time and like other rules apply in some sense. Um, I don't know. That's a kind of, and also like with Instagram, I mean, like I like love this kind of like influencer, like beautiful model, like, like specifically Instagram influencers, the way that like the grid is almost like an, an island. First of all, like these girls 
go to islands all the time obviously they're always like on yeah. boats going to islands like fucking hot but then also it's like there's no like logical relationship between any of the images that you see like each image is an island like they just like pop up in different these different locations it's like oh like one post she's skiing the next post she's like in a bikini the next post she's like back in hollywood the next post she's like whatever and you can't understand any kind of logic or narrative or the way that like Kendall or like Sarah Snyder, my other favorite, like moves between these places. What and is your, like, why, why do you like Sarah Snyder so much? Okay. Interesting. Well, okay. I like Kendall because she's kind of like almost this like blank void or something. That's like the perfect, she's like so bland and blank and like, it's a really creepy feeling that I'm also attracted to, I guess. Um, that you can use as like a projection surface. Sarah Snyder, like, I think, okay, there's just something in her eyes that's like, something's going on. Like, like, I, like she just seems like smart and clever and almost like something in her face, it looks like she's a spy or something. It's like the opposite. It's like, it seems like there's like a lot going on in her brain that like is extremely cryptic and maybe is almost like, not human like maybe she like almost kind of like cat-like or something like does that make any also these captions wait i have like an entire note that's just like because this is like my next project is like being really into sarah snyder like that's just weird because i like never think about any of these people do you this is i don't know why <clears throat> like i just like these these faces i i think maybe knowing that, that they are real people, but also that like their face has almost become this weird abstract, like inhuman mask like thing, which is also like what Balenciaga, I guess, kind of plays on. Um, she writes these extremely enigmatic, like completely meaningless captions for all the photos that like have no relationship to what they're doing. They're like really emo. They're really like kind of like, baddie version of Lil Peep, I guess. Like bath, like, <laughs> like career dirty, took a bath, came out diamonds dancing, <laughs> like a Perna jacuzzi in a bikini wearing like, uh, and the shoplifting thing is so cool. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> it's weird. It's like, she's obsessed with objects, like shoplifting as like a relation, as like a non-capitalist. Well, like, she's like a wigger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. Like an idea of like putting like like yeah, that also as like a figure, like a way of you know, talking about possession, right? Like you were talking about like like ownership of objects or collection of objects in the Pyeongchul Han episode. Like I think that the way that these influencers like they have a very object-oriented word world, like lifestyle, right? Like it's like these like sort of weird it's like these purses and like sunglasses and like hyper expensive goods that are like elevated to this to like the status of almost like an icon or enchanted object like not only because they're extremely expensive but because they like stage them in these interesting ways and like I feel like the staging of them is what denies them objecthood and turns them into you know just 
regular images within like the symbolic economy. Like that's the thing is like, I feel like, you know, when you talk about like women, like, you know, scantily clad, like going on an island and now they're in like um, Paris and this and that, like, I feel like it's the selling of the experience you know, people say like Zoomers or whatever, Gen Z, you know, they're all about experiences over possession, uh, you yeah. know, and I feel like when you take an object and you relegate it into this like status and, you know, like I feel like to really own something, it has to, you have to have like a beautiful, almost like romantic relationship with it. Like, you know, like it's, I feel like that's part of like when I talk about like Brown and like a piano and like bar, I feel like I have a relation to these things and they're sort of mine only because my relation to it is so personal. And because like, if I share a picture of it, like I don't get anything out of it. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing to sort of like gamify. It's like, and like, I feel like if you're a collector of stuff, you're, it's for you, you know what I mean? And, and it sort of doesn't serve this sort of like utilitarian purpose of like, oh, how can I get the right person to see me wearing this so that they give me, they grant me X experience, quote unquote. And I, I feel like that's sort of like the difference between, I guess, a collector or a collection of something, whether it's like, Steve Buscemi in like Ghost World, the way he like collects weird kind of stuff from like the 1920s and 30s and thing like minstrel uh, memorabilia or something like that. Like that is like. I mean, I guess like I see what you're saying, but I don't think it's a an inherent. It's like, yeah, everyone can like, for example, use Instagram in a shitty probably way that is really stressful for them and like very um whatever needing affirmation needing needing the like needing like whatever like getting likes whatever it's called like but i i think in a different way you can like actually i don't disagree with what you're saying but i think that there's something really actually if you're doing it well like creative about that act of like essentially objectifying your experience and being like, and yeah, like it's kind of more boring in the case of like Kendall or Sarah, it's like, yeah, whatever you're on a luxury yacht. Like we know that that is supposed to be desirable. So like them creating the image, it's not really creating. It's not, it's not like a brilliant aesthetic move, you know, but like, even with all these, like, like all of Instagram, now basically or at least like i'm sure the people that like uh you, you and i see on instagram it's like a lot of accounts like the names are always like 1996 or like 2004 like august butterfly nokia phone or whatever and it's like grainy photo of like a gas station or whatever like americana or like shitty lo-fi like like that functions in the exact same right. way and in a way um like I think it's like, uh, like, because I, I definitely use Instagram that way where I'm like, oh, like, I see, like, in a, in a very conscious way, like, taking pictures of, like, actual, like, just coffee cups or whatever, like Starbucks drinks, and, like, being able to, like, go through life. And then also at the same time, like, this filter is, 
like the object, like the Starbucks, uh, like peppermint mocha or whatever, like appears to me. And then it's like the peppermint mocha, but like at the same time, it's this like, because I can take a picture of it and post it, like it, it could be that without like the device of photography and definitely without the like context of Instagram, like that's not strictly necessary, but like you're elevating your experience into like an aesthetic experience. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, like my world is just filled. Like, like every time I get a coffee, it's like this like little like glowing, like video game object that appears. And like, I don't know, I, I guess I don't find it, like rather than emptying the experience, it actually adds this like extra halo to it or something that I really like. Yeah, I like nice things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gotta post them. You gotta post your like nice capital jeans, like your like your your hysteric glamour um, stuff. I never do. <laughs> yeah, I should. I, I just got this this capital sweater. It's like oh, knit nice. cardigan. It? Oh, it's like red. It's like very sort of like hippie ish. I have this uh, capital catalog from two thousand nine, and it's just nothing but like white trustafarians in iceland <laughs> with like shit locks that are being like held up with spears like around campfires it's like the most like proto uh it's like so trashy it's incredible it's really really good yeah i love the like i mean back to like tiki vibes like yeah the like white guy like in like white guy tiki culture is like it's such a good look like it's just awesome <laughs> like um because you're living the good life and you're sort of you're forgetting everything too you know what yeah. i mean like i feel like uh yeah i mean just islands island time it's like i love free time i think free time or at least time that you dictate is like maybe the most important thing you can have on this earth even if it's busy or you're like doing something you know but at least like you get to dictate it and you're working on something and this is great i love it i just want to say like is there anything else you wanted to to mention or like talk about your book or just like you know like anything else you want to go through did we establish because i think you've you've helped me understand that like that trends are important to psychoanalysis and like desire, which is obviously plays a huge, there's, there's like a major intersection between that and like 20th century continental philosophy. You know, I think you've, yeah. you've helped me um, think about things a little bit differently. It's cool. I think good. Yeah, no, this conversation was really Great. I think, okay, I have like one more question maybe for you, which is like about like pop, like you said something really quickly, probably at this point a long time ago about like a certain song that was like a pop song. It's like, oh, like that, like that's really good. Like that's going to be timeless. Um, and like, you'll never get, I think it was, it's something, oh, sunlight bathed in golden globe. And then also, and I think like for me, that's what these models, like what Kendall 
and Sarah Snyder or, or also like I love Little Peep like that shit it's all like so deeply pop culture and like there's something about like I don't know I guess I was just wondering what your relationship to that term is or if there's certain like yeah there's like a certain like stupidness about like these images of like Sarah Snyder that like it's like I used to be really into like vaporwave music and like I I like don't understand how like actually I would listen to it only when coding but like like it's like so sweet and smooth like and like I, I almost don't understand how people could not like it and like that's how I feel about like Kendall Jenner or Sarah Snyder it's like they're just it's just like beautiful in the most like frictionless way mm, but whether I, you I like, like that friction. or not you like friction yeah yeah I like it you know I like things a little bit busted you know yeah right basement aesthetic yeah I, I feel like I feel like the rupture or the puncture is like where I derive it's kind of value you know like yeah. I, I don't know why that is but you know I, I think a lot of like buying Chulhan sort of like he talks about like the kind of violence of positivity or the violence of like the smoothness of like the surface of an iPhone or something like that or like Barth's when he talks about like the stadium as being this like place of like spectatorship that keeps you like distant from the actual engagement uh, with the event itself, like introduce a schism into it. It just was always more interesting to me. But yeah, no, that's that's, that's actually an amazing. <laughs> that's a great way to like, like a great like per, yeah, liking rupture and discontinuity because of being a troublemaker. That also works with my personal thing of always being really like yeah, maybe I like because I'm really especially as a kid. N- not anymore now. Like I've developed this like bad anti-authority problem that's like <laughs> making my life difficult but like yeah being really like wanting to get good grades and like that being like why I like Kendall Jenner I like that a lot <laughs> okay yeah you too all right bye, bye. thank you so much that was thank great. you okay. bye